They believe, and believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Do you, do you have peace? It might seem like a silly question to begin a message with, being that during Advent we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. But this, during this time of year, the busyness of our lives, the kids' activities, stuff at church, family obligations, work, gift buying, just in general, getting ready for Christmas, it can be so busy it's hard to, to find peace. Like the woman who was so busy during the Christmas season, so stressed out with all her Christmas preparations. She realized one day as she was going through her list that she had not yet sent out her Christmas cards. In fact, she hadn't even bought her Christmas cards. So she, she jumped in her car and she hurriedly drove down the store and she, she bought the first box that she saw, 50 cards. She went home, didn't have time to read the, the cards. She, she had 49 names on her list. She put the cards in the envelopes, addressed them, dropped in the post office, one thing off her list. Well, on Christmas morning, she saw the, the one remaining card laying around and she thought, oh, I should probably take a look at this card and, and see what it says. After all, I did send it out. So she picked it up and, and she felt on the outside, it said, just a little card to say. And she opened it up and it read, a special gift is on its way. You think she was a little bit uh, worried, a little lacking peace at that moment? Today we are continuing our sermon series, our Advent sermon series, Christmas Makes All Things New. And this morning we're looking at how Jesus Christ and the coming of Christ can take our our worries and our, our, our stress, our fears, and give us peace, real peace. You see, Christ came on that very first Christmas so that we could have peace. He came so that in the midst of our lives, in the midst of fear and loneliness, in the midst of of guilt or shame or stress, busyness, in the midst of our lives, we could know and we could have peace. The peace, the Bible says, passes all understanding. The peace that comes from from a relationship with him, from God. You know, in the passage that um, Lee read just a moment ago from Luke 2, I think it's interesting that the very first thing that the angel says to the shepherds is, do not be afraid. Uh, Which is understandable. I mean, all of us would have been afraid in their shoes, uh, Uh, They're out in the middle of the countryside, a peaceful setting, stars at night, all around them, sheep and a couple of their co-workers. That's it. And these angels appear from heaven and this angel says to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, I think other than the, the rather obvious motive of the angel to assure them that he wasn't there to harm them. I think that these first words of the angel on the first Christmas Eve speak to the to the reason that Christ came, to address the fears that all of us as human beings naturally have. Jesus is the answer to our fears. The uh, columnist Ann Landers, when she was alive, uh, wrote that in a column once that she received over 10,000 letters a week. And she was asked, what is the most common problem that you are asked to deal with in your letters. And she said, without a doubt, it's fear. You know, in 1933, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said famously, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, which is, it sounds nice, right? It kind of rallied the troops, rallied the people, but, but it's not totally accurate. There are a lot of things in life, right, 
that we're afraid of, that we maybe should be afraid of. There was a study done a while back uh, of 500 people, and 7,000 different fears were, were listed, an average of 14 fears a person. About 30 years ago, there was a study done of, of grade school children, uh, the top five fears of grade school children 30 years ago. Animals, dark rooms, strangers, high places, loud noises. Guess what the top five fears are today? Mom and dad getting a divorce, nuclear war, getting cancer, pollution, and getting mugged or molested. Kind of a sad commentary on the state of our affairs. The Bible, thankfully, has a lot to say about fear. It addresses the need that we have to, 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 to handle our fears, to face our fears. In fact, the Bible says more about fear than it does heaven or, or hell. And so this morning, we're going to be tapping into the Bible's wisdom, and we're going to see how, how Jesus Christ in his coming on that first Christmas is, is the answer to the, the fears that we face in life. Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now, before we tackle any problem, one of the first things that we do is to make sure that it's a problem worth addressing, right? We want to make sure it's a, worth our effort and our energy of uh, addressing a problem. And it might seem absurd to pose this question regarding the issue of fear. But, you know, strangely enough, many of us with our fears we just want to leave well enough alone, right? Uh, we don't maybe have the courage to, to face our fears. We just would prefer to go through life with a, the albatross, the handicap of, of our particular fear in our life. But I believe the, the end of being set free from our fears is worth the process, the hard work of, 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 of facing them and of tackling them, especially when we see the, the damage, the real damage that, that fear causes in our lives. So before we look at how Christ is the answer to our fears, how Christ brings us his peace through the incarnation at Christmas, we're going to look briefly at what fear does to us, and then we'll look at Christ's solutions. First, fear paralyzes potential. It, it limits our, our, our effectiveness. It, it causes us to miss opportunities. When we become afraid, worried about something, really afraid, what does it do? It keeps us from, from being the person we want to be. It keeps us from doing something. It keeps us from doing more, right, with our lives. It paralyzes potential. Paul Turnier, the, uh, the French psychologist, said, all of us have reservoirs of full potential, vast areas of great satisfaction. But the roads that lead to these reservoirs are guarded by the dragon of fear. Fear, in other words, limits what we can do and who we become. When uh, Nancy and I were in seminary uh, and we graduated in 93, our first call was in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. It's uh, about 300 miles north of northern, uh, excuse me, eastern Montana, western North Dakota. And it was a small church and we were young marrieds. Neither one of us, the church or us, had a lot of resources. And so to save the church some money, rather than using, using a, you know, a moving service, we rented a U-Haul, packed our stuff up. We didn't have a lot anyway. Packed our stuff up and, and drove the like 1,500 or so miles uh, to, to Prince Albert. And one of the things I discovered about a moving van, maybe you, those of you who have rented U-Hauls know this. I, must, I think they still do. Is um, you get to a certain speed in the moving van and it won't go any faster. 
uh, they put governors on the on, on the on the moving vans. I, I guess it's a liability issue or safety issue. Uh, I didn't discover that. Nancy discovered that. Um, but but you get to a certain point and the limits and the, the, the governors are there and they limit how far you can go and how fast you can get there. You know, fear is kind of like that in our lives. It's, it's a governor on our life, right? It keeps us from going where we need to go, where we're called to go. It keeps us from becoming who we're called. It, keeps, it limits our growth. It keeps us from moving forward. It's like a break on our life. You know, in the Old Testament, fear, it acted this way in the life of the, of, uh, the children of Israel. Remember the story? Uh, they come to the promised land. And, and they're afraid they won't go across the river. They won't go across the Jordan. They won't go into the land because they're scared of the giants. They're too afraid. And as a result, they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Fear limited what they were going to do. Uh, in the New Testament, we have an example of Jesus' disciples. Right after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, we find this in, in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish authorities. They had tremendous things to share. They had spent three years with Jesus Christ. They'd seen him crucified. They'd experienced him as resurrected. And now they're locked in a room because of their fear. Were the doors locked from the outside? No, they were locked from the inside. You see, that's what fear does. Fear is a a self-imposed prison. It was a choice of their own doing. Fear, first of all, paralyzes, limits what we can do for God and who we become. Secondly, fear ruins relationships. Uh, humanity's oldest problem is, is a problem of, of fear, of feeling secure. All the way back to the very first story in the Bible in Genesis 2 and 3. Uh, remember the story of Adam and Eve and they listen to the serpent and they eat fruit from the tree they're not supposed to. Why? Because the serpent convinced them that, that God was holding out on them. The serpent brought into question whether or not God could be trusted. It worked. And because they were afraid they were missing out on something, they stepped out and they ate. And they reaped more fear. The result was more fear. Genesis 3.10, Adam says, I was afraid, says this to God, I was afraid and I hid from you. Fear causes us to to cover up and to, to wear a mask. It's, it causes us to lie, to pretend. It's the greatest uh, hindrance to intimacy in a marriage or a friendship or any sort of relationship, really. Fear causes us to hide, and it ruins relationships. Thirdly, fear hinders happiness. It robs us of joy. In the Good News Version of the Bible, Proverbs 12:25 says this, Worry can rob you of happiness, of joy. David says in the Psalms, I am worn out by my worries. Have you ever had the experience of being worn out by your worries? I know I have. You're thinking about something, stressed about something with your, your kids or your finances or your, or your job. Uh, your health, and, and you can't sleep. You toss and you turn and you wake up and you're exhausted. Uh, that's what fear and what worry does to us. And worry is simply fear, isn't it, at its core? Fear that something is going to happen or fear that something isn't going to happen. Fear drains us of joy and of happiness. 
Alfred Hitchcock, the, uh, the successful horror movie producer, said, I turn my fears into movies. And then they scare the rest of us, right? Fears are, are like that, right? They're, they're like a bad movie that we play over and over in our mind. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. Or I think it's going to happen. Or I wish it ha-. On and on and on. We rewind them and we play them over and over. And we can't seem to pull ourselves away from that tape in our mind. Fear, fear um, robs us of happiness and of joy. Last thing we're going to look at before we move to Christ's solution and how Christ offers us peace to face our fears, is fear sabotages success. Job 3.25 says, What I fear has come upon me. In other words, fears can be self-fulfilling prophecies. We can set ourselves up. Have you ever said something like, I was afraid this would happen? Guess what? The Bible says, as a man, as a woman thinks, he or she is. We can set ourselves up for failure because of our our fears. Another quote from Paul Turnier from his book, The Strong and the Weak, says, Fear creates what it fears. So, for example, the fear of becoming like your mom or your dad causes you to focus on them and their actions, behaviors, whatever, and you become more and more like them. Or the fear of, of illness can make you begin to feel poorly. Where the fear of disappointing somebody in a relationship can cause you to act unnaturally around them and you end up disappointing them anyway. The fear of losing your spouse can cause you to act in a way that, you know, that drives them away from you. Or the fear of poverty can cause you to, to make risky investments that cause you to lose what little you have. Fear sabotages our success. So fear does all these things then I think it's worth our attention. What are the ways that Jesus Christ, through his coming at Christmas, how does, how does he address our fears? How is the answer to, to our fears? And there are only three things. These are the three things that, that Jesus brings to us that have the power to drive fear out of our life at a spiritual level. Truth and love and, and faith. First, truth. Truth releases us from our fear. Jesus said in 830, John 8.32, you will know the truth and what? The truth will set you free. You know, when we are born, we only have two inborn fears. As a baby, we are afraid of, of falling high places and we're afraid of loud noises. Every other thing we fear is a learned behavior. And the good news is if we can learn to fear certain things, we can unlearn that behavior. Because you see, much of what we learn in life is, isn't simply true all the time. It can be incorrect information, which can lead to uh, faulty assumptions and wrong perspectives and attitudes about certain things in life. So maybe, for instance, you pick up a certain attitude or belief from a parent or a friend or a movie or a book or a or bad experience that you might have had. And because of that, you, you, your thinking and your, your perspective, your attitude is, is affected negatively. And it causes you to be fearful or worried or stressed out. What do you do? You challenge that with the truth of Jesus Christ. Because as Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You know, when you were a kid, maybe you can think back to the time when you were a kid and, 
and uh, you're in the room at night and it's dark and there's shadows and you're afraid and your mind imagines, imagines, imagines bad guys or monsters under your bed or in the closet. And what do you do? You call for mom and dad, right? And they come into the room and they, they turn on the light and what do they do? They tell you that, yes, you should be scared. I saw a monster under your bed earlier tonight. That's what you do, right? No, you don't do that. They come in and they say, look, look around. There's nothing here, nothing to worry about. They, they tell you the truth. They show you the truth. And you're set free from what you're afraid of. That's what we need to do with our fears. When we, when we call upon our Heavenly Father, when we come to Jesus Christ and, and his light and his truth, and we apply it upon our, our lives, we let it shine upon our lives, upon the things we fear, we see things for how they really are. Not for how we think they are because of our fear. The truth will release us from our fears. And Jesus said of himself in John 14, 6, what? I am the way, I am the truth, right? And I am the life. Jesus came to show us truth about ourselves, about who God is, about our need for him, about our fears. Jesus came to show us the truth and to give us his peace. The second thing we can look at here uh, that Jesus brings to us is love. Love neutralizes fear. 1 John 4.18 states, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, which is a beautiful verse. I read a a funny story about Rick Warren, a a well-known pastor in California, who decided to use this verse at the end of a note that he wrote to his wife when they were dating. He put, love Rick, and underneath it he put 1 John 4.18. But then she wouldn't talk to him for a couple weeks. She was mad at him, and he couldn't figure out why. And then he realized finally that he had left off the first in 1 John, and he'd written John 4.18 instead, which is when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says to her, the fact is you've you've had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband either. Love neutralizes fear. When we accept God's love, when we understand God's love, when we bask in God's love, his unconditional, crazy, wild love for us, his acceptance of us, it puts the fears that we have of rejection, of loneliness, of death, of whatever, in perspective. God's perfect love for us and our trust in him, his perfect love casts out fear. Our fears fade because there's no fear in love. Love also neutralizes fear in that when we offer love to other people. It's been said that there are three ways you can, you can, you can move in life. You can move towards something or somebody in anger, You can move away from somebody or something in fear, or you can move towards somebody or something in love. And when you fill your life with love, you eliminate most fears. Or at least your love gives you the courage to to face your fears and live through the fears, right? Every once in a while, you'll see something like this scenario on the news. Uh, There's a burning house, and and a woman runs into the house to save her baby. And when she comes out, they, they inevitably will ask her the question, how did you have the courage to overcome the fear of that burning house. It was her love, right? Her love for her child. The fear was overcome by a greater power, which was love. Now, why is love an antidote to fear? Because the root of a lot of fear is simply self-centeredness. It's, it's a preoccupation with, with us. 
I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to get messed up in this situation. I don't want to. Love gets the focus off of ourselves and onto others. And the more that we're filled with love, the less we're going to be filled with fear. Floyd Ogilvy heard a guy one time in the bus stop working on a crossword puzzle, and he said, I need a four-letter word that expresses a response to a difficulty. A guy on the bus said, fear. Another guy said, love. Love was the right answer. The last thing we're going to look at that Jesus brings to us through his life and his incarnation uh, that helps us in the face of fear is, is faith. The Bible tells us that faith is, is an action. Faith acts in the fear of love. Or excuse me, in the fear. Faith acts in the face of fear. Ephesians 6.16 says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, God is the author of love and Satan is the author of fear. Satan loves to suggest fearful thoughts, plant seeds of fear and worry and anxiety in us to cause us to, to, to mistrust God, to try to take things into our own hands, cause us to worry about things over which we have no control. And Satan can only work in the life of a Christian by offering suggestions. When God gives us an idea, it's called inspiration. But when Satan gives us an idea, it's called temptation. And what we do with that is our choice. And Satan makes suggestions all the time to us that cause us to be afraid and to lack trust. Things like, I can't do that. I can't say that. They're going to think I'm a fanatic. Or, I can't go on that trip. I can't do that ministry. I can't step up and take that role. I, I, I just can't do it. I'm going to fail. I'm just out of my comfort zone. Or maybe God really hasn't forgiven me. He can't forgive me because I really, really screwed up this time. What is the response to any fearful thoughts that Satan plants in our mind? Take up the shield of faith. Remember this. This is one of the most important verses to me when I was in high school. Uh, it's a verse that I memorized and I've carried it with me in my whole life. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we take up the shield of faith, when we take up the shield of faith and trust in God and don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, of, of self-discipline, of, of a trust in God, our fears begin to lose their power over us. You know, that's what the people of, of, of Israel did in, in, in Joshua 3. Um, remember the story of the first time they came to the Jordan River? They're turned back because they don't trust in God enough to go across and take the land and to fight the giants. This time they come back with Joshua. And, and, and God says to them at this point, I'm going to part the Jordan River just like I did the Red Sea. Except this time I'm not going to part it until you step into it, until you take a step of faith. And the Jordan River at the time, the Bible tells us that at flood stage, it was, it was, a, it was a raging, boiling mess of water. It was dangerous. It was a test of faith. But yet the priests and the people stepped into the water. And I'm sure the faith didn't completely remove the fear that they had, but it did give them the courage to move ahead and to follow God in spite of the fear. The Living Bible translation of Psalm 56.3 says this, When I'm afraid, I will put my confidence in God. 
I will trust in the promises of God. Another version says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O God. Not in my own bravery or resources, not in psychology, not in myself, but I will trust in God. I will trust in his promises. I will trust in his faithfulness to me. Jesus Christ came on that first Christmas. He came to make our lives new, to change us, to help us, to save us. And he brings truth. He is the truth. He shows us the truth. He reveals the truth. He guides us in the truth. And when we face fear, he, sh- we, he shows us his love. He demonstrated his love for his, by dying for us on the cross. His unconditional, never-ending love for us in the face of fear. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we can overcome the fears that we, we inevitably will run into in, lives, in our lives. And we can continue to follow our Lord into the, the new territory and the new life and the new adventures that he's called us to do. I want to conclude by leaving these words of the angel again with you. Let them kind of resonate with you as you think about the things you fear in your life. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus, through that first Christmas, started a plan of redemption that addresses every problem we have in life. He addresses the fears that we have through his truth, through his love, and we put our trust and our faith in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you um, that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he gave his life for us. And he came one with us. We thank you that Jesus is the truth. He tells us the truth. He shows us the truth. He will never lead us astray. Help us, God, when we face fear to focus on Jesus and his truth and not listen to Satan's lies. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love, that God himself is love. And that where there, is, where there is perfect love, it casts out fear. So, Lord, when we face fear, help us to, to, um, to rest and bask and trust in your great love for us. Regardless of our fears, regardless of our mistakes, help us to know that you will never leave us, never forsake us, always love us. And, Lord, when we face fears in life, help us to be people of faith, to put our trust in God and God alone, God and his promises. We thank you, Father. We offer ourselves to you.